0: This is the Extra Point podcast. During this podcast, we will dive deeper into our Sunday teaching and share practical next steps for your faith journey. Now, let's kick off the Extra Point. Hey, welcome to the Extra Point. I'm Cheryl Ross, the Next Steps and Discipleship Pastor here at Southridge Church, and I'm with Scott Beha, our lead pastor. And you just finished up week two of our series, Christmas, Christmas fam, family Christmas tree. Man, Christmas vacation. I even asked beforehand because our kids' series is so close that it just mixes me up. Anyway, yeah. um, so week two, you talked about Rahab, the prostitute. Um, the Rahab the prostitute, and it was how- very hard for all last <laughs> week. Anna
1: kept telling me. That there's been times in youth ministry where someone has referred to that profession as being a toot, oh, and it was very hard and for me not to, to say, say it was so hard not to say the toot, the toot. The toot. um That's but funny. I was trying to be professional,
0: yeah um, so we're not always that way, but no you you did well
1: I knew if I started it, <laughs> I knew that I didn't want to add any sideways energy to what right. I was trying to say, and I knew it would detract us from. From the point. From the point. From the good Because that, I've never heard anyone say that ever in my life.
0: Yeah. Um. Man, teen slang is. Yeah. Hard to keep up with at times. Yeah. I think that's why you and I aren't <laughs> really. Anymore. Oh, I'm not. We're cool we're, we're guests back there occasionally, but. Um. I'm
1: not cool enough for youth ministry anymore. Mm, yeah. This drink is clear.
0: Well. We've got all the caffeine today, and so we are going to dive deeper yeah. at this point. So this series, we've been talking about um, people that are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so um, we get to Rahab, and when you first begin reading this text, you wouldn't think that she would be somebody who was would be part of yeah. the family that led to Jesus. But um, later we do find out that she is. But... Um, I thought the point that you talked about was, was really cool and really good, practical um, next steps for us was how, you know, Rahab had heard about what God yeah. had done and how because of that, like, they weren't close by. And, I mean, we're talking years later, um, but she knew about what God had done and how important it is to, st- yeah. to steward the stories of what God has done and will do yeah. in our lives.
1: I've read the story so many times, and uh, from the first time that I heard about the link between Rahab and the lineage of Jesus, I've been fascinated by the story, but it was only this past week that when I was reading that, I was like, it hit me. I was like, how in the world Mm -hmm. did these people find this out? Like, news just, uh, like, didn't travel like that. There wasn't news coverage. There wasn't newspapers. Like, the only way that they would ever get that sort of news Mm -hmm. is if, person to person it spread. Yeah. And so it just that it, it was just this picture I'll go like, "Man, they heard about the glory and the greatness of God from someone else." Mm-hmm. And that's really what we need more people in our world mm-hmm. to do. Like if we have more people talking about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do, yeah. You get more people talking about that, you're going to get more people interested. Yeah, And that's why, that's what puts Rahab in this favorable disposition towards mm-hmm. um, the spies. Because she knew what this God was about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so often we run into, when we deal with people that would be in Rahab's position, you know, those that are maybe far from God, just doing their own thing, whatever it might be, and want nothing to do with God. When we run into those people, they've only ever heard the bad stuff. Right. They've only ever heard um, the negative side of whatever it is that we have to say or what we believe. And, and very rarely have, have they come in contact with, like, oh, well, well, let me tell you about this. Or, like, let me tell you how God is actually, like, I, I was just sharing with someone in our church yesterday. I told him a, a story from me in college. <laughs> and uh, it's one of my friends here, so I was comfortable sharing probably a story I wouldn't share with a bunch of people. And he was like, oh, man, like, you was, like, wild. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, I was an absolute idiot. I said, but I got to it's. I said, only God could get me to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Like to yeah. tell people, like, yeah, I know that was a conversation I'm having with a friend at church, but like, it could have been very easy to just tell that story and be like, oh, I was an idiot in the past. Mm-hmm. But like, getting it back to, yeah, but listen, that's who I was. That's not who I am. So I mm-hmm. get to talk to people about that all the time because like, I did have a pretty. Like, rough, ridiculous past. Mm-hmm. And so I get to go, yeah, 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 that was true about me then. But, like, look what God has done in my life. Like, I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, try to tell people I got it all together. Mm-hmm. But, like, I used to have this shirt someone bought me. And I'm not a big fan of cheesy Christian shirts. But, like, it said, like, I'm not the man I was or something. But or, I'm not who I'm going to be, but I'm not yet the man or I'm not who I used to be or something. Right. Something like that, yeah. Like right that. I was like, it's actually, it's a very true statement. Like, mm-hmm. I've come very far in my life um, from that person. But it's easy to, to tell people, like, yeah, and I could not have done that. Like, this sort of transformation doesn't happen just by sheer human will. Like, it takes something greater than ourselves for, mm-hmm. for that to that sort of transformation to take place. Yeah. and so we do we have to steward the story like we here at, especially here at southridge church like i know there appeal you they go to churches that they ain't filled up the baptistry in years right. they haven't seen somebody at their altar in years they mm-hmm. haven't seen a new family show up in years mm-hmm. and and you, yeah i get that and that's for a different conversation but here at southridge like we see this stuff every weekend so, therefore, we are equipped every single week with stories of what God is doing that we can go and share with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family and go, hey, maybe maybe there is something to this that you'd mm-hmm. like to go check out. Like, watch how God is moving. And and so there may be more to it. So we need we need to share those stories of what mm-hmm. God is, even what he's done in our lives personally, what he's doing in our church. Like, the fact that we've given $120,000 in two months to our debt re- yeah. reduction, literally over... 10% of the debt of the church we removed in two months. Yeah. It's unbelievable yeah. um, the way that, that this is happening. And mm-hmm. so you got to share stuff like that. Like, man, you may not be about all this stuff that we're about. You may not believe what we believe right now, but you got to come and see that. Like, something's happening, mm-hmm. right? It's worth coming and checking out.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And I loved how you pointed out that, you know, at this point in the text, Rahab had not experienced salvation, she was still saying, your God, your, you know, your God did this. I know about your God and your people and and all of that, but how there has to be this change that takes place within us where it goes from your God to my God Mm -hmm. and and your church to my church um, and how the difference of that, the difference between your God and my God is knowledge and trust. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important for us to remember and apply because, like, even, you know, we're doing these devotions for the beginning of the year, and um, there are several, you know, there are texts that say, like, a lot of people will think that that knowledge enough is enough to save them. Yeah. And that's not the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's this is what's so hard, like, in the world that we live in is – where Christianity was just kind of the dominant worldview for so long, Mm -hmm. so many people find themselves in the midst of that culture without ever actually embracing that culture, which would have been a struggle that Rahab would have ultimately ended up having to deal with herself. But in Joshua 6, we find out that she did get saved during Mm -hmm. the conquest, not saved as far as soteriology or like what we're talking about at church, but like they didn't kill her family. And she ends up living among the Israelites. Well, to do so, she had a choice to make, whether she would actually assimilate to the culture Mm -hmm. of the Israelites or not. It does sound like she assimilated to the culture, given the fact that she married into the tribe of Judah. And to do so, she would have had to, um, you know, proselytize into uh, Judaism. And and so we see that happen. But there's so many people that, like, live right in the midst of a Christian culture. Mm -hmm. Like, they'll go to church. They got Bibles at their house. You know, they um they like some of the music like they'll like whatever it might be like they're gonna have a manger scene at you know at christmas time up on their mantle like they live in proximity to the christian culture but they never actually let it assimilate them they don't actually like nothing actually changes about their values nothing actually changes about how they they actually live their life like this this has been something that just keeps coming up to me over and over and over and over it's like if you have not had that moment of reorientation into your life where everything about your life becomes different as the result of your faith, you just haven't really experienced it. You just, like, you, and there's just, uh, you can just look out. I, I just look out every Sunday and I go, I don't know how how much plainer to make it. Mm-hmm. That if there's not been a reorientation of your life, To where you go, yes, things are drastically different, Mm -hmm. not just marginally different. I didn't just, oh, I just inconvenience myself once or twice a month to try to make it into church or what. Like, no, 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 I'm I'm saying, like, drastically different, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if you can't point to some things that you go, you know what, before I took my faith serious, like, this is is how things were, and now it's like this. If there's not those things for you... Mm -hmm. You, you are living in the culture, but you have not yet been assimilated by the Christian culture into true saving faith whatsoever. Like I can, I can sit here and tell you like the things in my life, my family's life, that even though on the outside you might look at us. Because I do have a value of I don't want my life as a Christian, as a pastor to seem unattainable mm-hmm. to other people. Like, I don't, like, yes, I, I, but I want it to be different enough to where my family feels it, my kids feel like, yes, even though we might share some stuff in, in, in our lives with these folks, we don't share everything. Mm-hmm. Some of this stuff is different. Mm-hmm. Like, like um, for like, a good example, we, we play travel baseball. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Christian families that will have nothing to do with travel sports mm-hmm. whatsoever. They're, no, 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 you got to go to church. But it's like, listen. Last year, we played a full travel schedule. My son missed two Sundays all year long, Mm -hmm. but he was at every Wednesday night program. Like, we missed other stuff to get him into those – like, so, yes, on one level, we go, oh, man, look at that. They're they're in the – that's very worldly to take part of that. It's like, no, listen, my, my kid got around the family of God more than probably every adult in our church. Yeah. Not to mention the stuff we do as a, our own personal family. When we travel, if our games are late, we go to church out of town. Yeah, like um, we will make the kids watch the online um, kids stuff yeah. sometimes if they miss church. Yeah. Plus, we also know they're going to be at our life group. They're going to be at Wednesday night um, fellowship. So, like, there will be folks that like go, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." So we share that in in, in um, we share that in common with the Bayhawks. It's like your application of it, your um, uh, functioning is different because you share travel baseball with us, but you don't go to church when you're out of town. You don't make special arrangements like, hey, we will not practice on Wednesday nights. We will skip something like the way our kid will be at church on Wednesday. Like whatever it might be, you don't make those special arrangements to go, oh, no, 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 we can make it to the 9 a.m. service, but we can't make it to the 11 a.m. service. So we'll come to the 9 a.m. like you haven't yet reoriented your life. So, like, it looks like you're sharing something in common with me, but we are, we are living this thing out differently. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really, like, I want my family. Like, there was, I remember there was a tournament two years ago that I told Landon, like, it was the first game of the day. Um, we had plenty of players. I said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to church. You're going to miss your first game. If your team wins, we'll have you there at the second game. Right, because we're just going to do things just a little bit different than than them to the way out. my kids, my family knows. There is something. There is a reorientation happening in our family. It goes like, all right. So, um, when it comes to our money, like our, it's funny. Our kids probably think, oh gosh, our family never has money. It's like that's not necessarily true, but we have made a high priority to be very generous to our church, mm-hmm. and so. That's what we're going to do. We're we're going, like, if our family has to maybe live at a different level than what other families that make the same amount of money as us Mm -hmm. have to live at because we want to be generous, that's a reorientation of our life to go, listen, this is our values. Like, yes, we're going to share some stuff in common with the culture around us, Mm -hmm. but our execution of this is going to be drastically different. The way that we spend our time, the way we spend our money, Mm -hmm. like, I could go on and on about the this idea of like being surrounded by a culture but not being assimilated into it. Mm-hmm. Because this is what so many people they show up at church two, three times a month, mm-hmm. but they've never actually reoriented their life. Like I said it in Second Service Sunday, like people that are really sold out for their faith never have to answer the question, Are we going to church tomorrow? Right. Like that's what that's what worldly families ask themselves. Yeah. They go, hey. Are we gonna, Are we gonna we going to go to church tomorrow? You go, that's not even, yeah. like, am I going to worship God tomorrow? That's not even a question right. for people that Christ is in the center of their home. It's not a question. Now, for us, like whenever we're traveling or something, the question might be, where are we going to go to church tomorrow? Right. But not if we're going to go. This is a high priority for our family. And I'm not saying that church attendance is, you know, equal to salvation or anything like that. I'm just saying, Like, Jesus is a priority in our family, and if church attendance is one of the ways that we instill that in our kids, then that's what we're going to do. And so, like, I I just, people got to get this idea that it's not just knowing something. It is the reorientation and the refocusing and the recentering of our life around this new thing. Like, Rahab was a polytheist. This, what they would do in the ancient world is they had all these different gods, and when they found a new god that they would like, they didn't get rid of the other gods, they just added this god. This is, it, that is the pagan worldview. Yeah. Most, most people that call themselves Christians are pagans in this way. They are pagans because all they do is they take Jesus and add him to everything else they got going on in their life, rather than... Going okay? No, 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 no. All these other things—they might be good, but they are now secondary. They now—they now bow to the one that's in the center. Mm-hmm. Period. And and that's like every other idol. When Jesus shows up on the scene, every other idol must take a back seat, must bend its knee to Jesus, or else you have not truly accepted, um, like the faith faith in Christ mm-hmm. as it should be.
0: Yeah. Well, you also brought out about how you know, we as outsiders can now be part of God's family as well. But you talked about the idea of how the scarlet rope that was what she put out that the you know that the that the Israelites would be able to see and know that hey, we yeah. we see that, we keep them safe, um, was really this representation representation and reminder of um of God and, and Jesus blood. I know that you spent a little bit of time on that on Sunday, but yeah. probably not as much as what you really need. So I'm just going to yeah. let you take it over.
1: Yeah. So I th- it, this, because it wasn't my major point Sunday, I didn't want to spend a ton of time on it. But mm-hmm. in the story of Rahab, we see a new picture of the Passover, mm-hmm. which was when 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 Israel was enslaved in Egypt, mm-hmm. God sends Moses says, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Ten plagues to try to get, or nine plagues to try to get him to bend his will. And there's this weird back and forth, back and forth. Yes, you can go. No, you can't go. God finally has, you know, has had enough. By the time we get to the tenth plague, I think this plague is going to be the plague of death. Uh This is going to strike the firstborn in every house. Uh Like, and the firstborn son in the home this is the this is a picture of god taking away what is most precious to you mm-hmm. and um but for israel he says listen there's a way for this not to hit you mm-hmm. there's a way cuz it's going to hit everybody even if i'm not mistaken the cattle and everything mm-hmm. it's going to hit everybody but you there's a way out for you what you have to do and he had all these very specific instructions get all of your family inside one home mm-hmm. find a lamb that was out without spot or blemish kill the lamb here's how you're supposed to you're supposed to make these different side dishes to go with the mm-hmm. lamb all this and then what you do once everyone is inside the house you take the blood of the lamb you put it over the door frame of the house that will be an acknowledgment of your faith that god will save you mm-hmm. it it is not some sort of works-based, well, you did the right, right. thing, right. what those families were, were proclaiming is that we trust that this blood, that we, we are trusting, that what God has asked us to do, we are putting our faith and trust in Him alone, that He will be good to His word. That is what is happening here. It is not the act that saved them, it is the faith that um, powered the act that saved them in this moment. And I don't and I'm not when I say saved, I'm not talking about New Testament soteriology whatsoever. I am talking about their life. Uh-huh. Um that's what saved them. Put the door frame of and everyone in the house will be saved. Death will, this is why i got the name the Passover, the death angel would pass over that house. So they're going house to house, house to house, wherever he sees the blood, he just simply passes over. So then we see a this is a new picture of that in Joshua chapter two. The spies say, hey, listen, when we come, we gotta have some way for us to know that we're supposed to pass over your house whenever the conquest comes in. Because everyone in that town was marked um, for death. And, and here's why, before like modern thinkers start trying to go and re, like read back into the text like how awful, horrible, nasty the God of Israel is in the Old Testament, and how this was some sort of weird genocide, We read last week in Genesis 15 that God was very, very patient with these people that were in this land, but they were such heinous, horrible people. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to remove them so the way they cannot continue their horrible, awful, nasty ways. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's going on in the conquest of Canaan. God is exercising his judgment upon sinful people. He does the same thing before you think he plays favorites or something. He has other pagan nations do that to Israel multiple times throughout the history of Israel. Whenever Israel's acting up, God sends a, a judgment on them plenty of times. This, this is just the way that the story goes. And so, um, so there had to be a way for the soldiers to know, hey, this is that house. We said we're not going to mess with these people. It was the new picture of the Passover, which all of that ultimately points towards Jesus being the perfect Passover lamb. This is why Jesus died on Passover. There was a significance in that. Like if you go and read the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, you keep getting this sense over and over as John's writing. He keeps saying, it's not yet my time. It's not yet my time. My hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. Uh-huh. What in the world is he waiting for? He's waiting first and foremost for the amount of time to pass for him to do all the stuff that he needed to do to entrust the d- disciples with the message and all of this stuff. He's also waiting for that Passover uh-huh. that will ultimately be the day in which he gives his life as the perfect Passover lamb. There was always meant to be a symbol, symbolism to that. And again, before we start thinking that the Bible is full of fairy tales and um, myths and all of this mm-hmm. stuff, Jesus was largely out of control of when they would kill him. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do see in the biblical text that when it got to that Passover week, he starts doing stuff to really um, press the mm-hmm. religious leaders into action. But still, that's still largely out of his control. They could have just acted like, ah, not a big deal. You're not going to coax us into something this Passover season. Because during the Passover season, when everybody was in town, Mm -hmm. Rome had a deal with the Jews. Like, y'all better keep things under control or else we're going to shut down all the liberties that you do have. Mm -hmm. So, like, really, the the religious Israelites uh, or the religious elite were really not, um, this was not a good time of the year for them to be doing this. So, Mm -hmm. even though Jesus pressed the issue a little bit, they still did it. So, that was largely out of his control. But... Like, even coming down to the detail of him dying on Passover, that is, like, it's meant for us to understand. Like, this is why when John the Baptist sees Jesus and um walking early on, I, I believe it's in the Gospel of John, uh, John, John the Baptist sees him, and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. Like, John the Baptist knew that all, the first time that he laid eyes on Jesus mm-hmm. um, in that Gospel. He goes, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That was the role that Jesus was always going to play um, was that he would be the perfect sacrifice, not because God is some blood hungry, awful, nasty God that requires blood to be um, satisfied or satiated or whatever it it, it always had to do with um, the like the the selfless act of love on the cross, mm-hmm. that blood of the new covenant is the covenant of grace that allows us to then be made part, though we're we're foreigners, though we're outsiders, though we're um, far from God, though we lived ignorantly and without God. Mm -hmm. It is through what Christ did, offering that sacrifice that allows us to be ushered in to God's family, even though we don't have it all together. And all of it is, it's just like, again, the Bible, it's not two separate parts. There's one consistent theme running through the whole thing it was mm-hmm. all led up to what Jesus has done for us mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in, in what he did through his life, death, and resurrection. One yeah. consistent theme all the way back to the Passover. We see it again in Rahab. We see the same story happen in other places in the Old Testament as well um, because God was giving these like, little foreshadowings of what ultimately would happen. That way they would know what to look for. Mm-hmm. We're looking for a perfect lamb yep. killed on the Passover, Mm -hmm. And this will be our sign that we have found the Messiah. This will be the sign that God was good to his word Mm -hmm. to keep the covenant. And now all the promises that were made for the restoration of creation, Mm -hmm. the blessing of all people can now come to pass because God has held up his end of the bargain Mm -hmm. on both sides.
0: Yeah, that's so good to end with to know that. God has kept his promises and he will do it again. And I'm sure you have stories of where God has come through for you. And those are the stories that we're talking about sharing with other people. So um, as we end today, just make sure that you maybe spend some time and sit down and think of what stories you have of the ways that God has been there in your life or things you've seen him do that you could then share with other people throughout your, your time as you go about your life. Um, and make sure that if you haven't reoriented your life, like Pastor Scott was talking about, that maybe take some steps to do that today as well. But we'll be here again next week with another um, episode of The Extra Point to give you more practical next steps for your faith journey. Thanks for tuning in to The Extra Point. Be sure to subscribe to the Southridge Church Podcast and tune in every Wednesday for another episode of The Extra Point.